This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Go get that first down and get a touchdown. Rock em, suck em. Hey, this is Andrew Kramer. Welcome to the Purple Podcast, where we're going to do defensive greats for the 2015 Vikings. I'm joined by Derek Wetmore of 1500 ESPN. Let's get right into it. If it's too long and you didn't read it, because there's a 5,000-word grading uh, article on our website, 1500ESPN.com, that goes through 37 players. Woof that uh, were on the final roster, injured reserve, or practice squad at the end of the season, reviewing each of the defenders. We'll have a similar one on offense here later tonight, and then we'll do special teams and coaches on Friday. How do you want to do this, Andrew? You want me? Derek, you just feed me names on who you're interested to hear about, how I graded them. Harrison Smith. Four and a half led the Vikings. And tell tell me your grade out of five. Sorry, <laughs> one through five. That's like that's like, like an stars. A. That's like an A minus. Yeah, okay. that's that's something where Harrison obviously missed three games due to injury, but he is the most versatile safety they've got. Yeah. If they bolster the positions around him, you will see him being put into more positions to make plays. But quarterbacks go into games saying, "I'm not targeting 22," and, right. and they didn't. He was targeted 18 times, only allowed nine catches deflected two passes, intercepted another two, obviously took one back for a touchdown against the New York Giants to help seal a playoff berth in Week 16. He is the future at that position, obviously. He is going to be a very rich man soon. And I expect the Vikings at some point this offseason to commit a multi-year extension to him because he's another guy that had the fifth-year option picked up on him, but you've seen enough. He's he's going to be the future there. Yep. Uh, Just quickly on that before we get to another player. Uh, you said t- quarterbacks aren't often targeting him. Usually that equation works the other way around. He is targeting quarterbacks or running backs in the case of Matthew Forte. That's another thing, too. He was a guy that uh, knocked out with clean hits, mind you, was mm-hmm. not fined once, and I don't believe he was actually penalized once. And he levied the big hits onto Colin Kaepernick, Matt Forte, Demarius Thomas. Who am I missing? Um, Those are the ones on the top of my mind. Yeah, I know there were some more, though, too, that I'm missing, and I'm not doing him justice, but he is a heavy hitter there. Yes. And he's a guy that they always have to look to, in the, look to in the middle of the field. So sticking to the safety position, I want to know what you thought about Andrew Sandejo and if the Vikings are okay there. 
or if they'll need an upgrade, whether internally or externally next yeah, year. Yeah, I gave him about a two and a half, which is like a C minus, maybe. C, C's, C minus. C's get degrees, baby. They do. They do, as we learned in college. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, firsthand. Oh, Sandejo's a guy who improved, I thought, in run support. He can still take some bad angles. Uh, he still misses a lot of tackles. Uh, he's more of a box safety, um, but in order to use Harrison down low, they had to put him in coverage uh, in that kind of single high role. And he gave up a lot of passes and made very few plays on the ball. And I remember talking to the position coach, Jerry Gray, at one point. He just basically said, look, we need somebody that can make plays on the ball. That's what we're missing. We have Harrison. He can do everything. Now, we need a short tackling guy that can also go after the ball. And one of the perfect examples this season of Andrew Sandejo's lack of ability to do that uh, was the Oakland game. When back-to-back plays, he gave up a 38-yarder uh, to Amari Cooper that was just basically a moonshot. Derek Carr lofted this thing into the air. It was like one of the clay pigeons Mike Zimmer shoots down. This thing was <laughs> hanging in the air, and Amari Cooper made a great fingertip grab. But Andrew Sandejo was in position. He just shrunk. And then I think it was either the play later or two plays later, a 34-yard touchdown uh, on a similar play, just another yeah. lofted ball that he just he just got beaten coverage. So that's something where they need an upgrade there, and they might have him on the roster. It might be a guy like Anton Exum Jr. who got injured in his second career start, or a guy like Anthony Harris who did impress some people inside the building with his play down the stretch. So Xavier Rhodes, We're sticking with the secondary. Um, yeah, we're going to probably work backwards. That's that's what I do. Three and a half, I remember. it was That was more like a C plus, B minus. Rhodes, it's a tale of two halves for him. He really struggled at the beginning of the year. Uh, he was the most penalized corner in the league through the first four weeks, which then in the bye week led them to putting boxing gloves on him yeah, during practice. So we all he, remember that. So he couldn't grab. And then all of a sudden after that, he drew just three penalties the next, I think it was 13 weeks. He did a great job in limiting the penalties. Um, but he still had kind of ups and downs in terms of coverage. His pass deflections dipped. He had the one interception on Aaron Rodgers at the very end of that game at Lambeau Field. Um, but really, he didn't hit his stride until the last kind of five or six weeks. And it started with him shadowing Julio Jones. That was when he really kind of got into his own. He limited, he helped limit Julio to just five catches for 50-some yards uh, and then really kind of picked up after that. The Vikings trust him. Mike Zimmer still gave him all the tough assignments. He didn't always do great in those assignments, but you can tell they're still trying to push him. And the biggest thing with him is his concentration. And you kind of saw it in that Seattle game, that that loss, that playoff loss, where uh, all of a sudden he'd get beat down the field, and then he didn't. He lost his technique and just mobbed a receiver as the ball was in the air, 41-yard pass interference. He loses his technique in that sense that he's got to get his head turned around. He's got to play the ball. You can't play the receiver like that. And in your third year, that's kind of an inexcusable mistake to make. And so it's the concentration factor. It's more mental with him that they're still trying to work through. Terrence Newman. Three and a half as well. And I say that because he benefited a lot from the fact that he was not lining up across from Calvin Johnson. Sure. Uh, and that's that goes to the coaching and the smarts, and, and they knew Terrence is a guy who can absolutely handle the number two receiver unless they were going to beat him downfield. He got beat downfield a couple times this year, including that 50-yard pass interference to Jeff Janis in yep. the Week 11 loss to Green Bay. Uh, gave up a touchdown to James Jones as well in that game. He had some ups and downs. He led the team in interceptions with three. I gave all the corners three-and-a-half grades okay. because I didn't see any of them were above average more so, as, and they certainly weren't below average, but I kind of gave them just, just a tick above average at three and a half, including Captain Marlon, because say. all those guys, I thought, had great moments, and they all had moments where they were kind of taken advantage of. Did you primarily do starters? 
for yeah. these grades? Oh, I did everybody. Uh, yeah. Everybody, but, yeah. So, like, can I ask you about rookie Trey Waynes? Yeah, two and a half. Uh, and I just say that because of the expectation level. Uh, Terrence Newman, now keep in mind, had played so well uh, through the first half of the year. And then when they become seven and two through that first half, your risk your risk reward factor changes drastically uh, of giving young guys. If, yeah. Looks. If you're two and seven at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Throw Trey Wayne's in what you're doing there is just try and figure out who you got for the future, but you're seven and two. You're going, okay, well now we got to keep Terrence in because you know where he's going to be. He's not going to get you burned a lot. Whereas a guy like Trey Wayne's rookie and experience, you don't know what he's going to do. He might get you in some hot water. So I think that kept Trey off the field. So you can't necessarily say it's all his fault. He didn't start more, but he made the one career start in uh, Arizona. I thought he played well in spot duty you I think what's kind of imprinted in people's minds is the three flags against Pittsburgh in the first preseason game yeah yep. uh, he only had one flag in his 200 some snaps at spot duty so that showed that he was at least curtailing that a little bit and, and fixing his problems there um, but there were times obviously he'd get beat uh, you like the speed there you like some of the technique that he showed he he did uh, great on one of the the plays against Seattle where uh, Lockett beat him downfield, and he gets his head turned around, deflects the pass. He obviously catches uh, the tip ball for his first career interception. Mm-hmm. So he showed some promise there. But I say two and a half because it was really an underwhelming rookie season where he just didn't get on the field. Yeah, it was more of a special teams contributor. Yeah, he was a great really. gunner. He was. If I'm grading him on gunner, then it's a right. much different grade, but I'm not. I'm grading him on corner. Well, when you get picked 11th, you don't get uh, your your grade does not become based off of your no and the one flag and i should describe why i gave him a below average grade was because the one flag he had he just shoved a receiver out of bounds 20 yards downfield mm-hmm. and we talked to him after the game and he kind of said like oh yeah i thought the ball wasn't in the air so i could do that like no 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 no, no. you can't do that in the nfl yeah. beyond five yards anywhere right so it was just one of those things where the college stuff still creeps back in and yeah. you gotta you gotta get him involved there to uh to wean that stuff off how about chad greenway uh, three, just kind of an average base level. I thought for what he did, he was one of the shortest tacklers, but none of, I don't believe any of his tackles were actually for a loss. And so he was third on the team in tackles in that kind of bit role. He stepped up, played beyond what they needed him to because of injuries to Kendricks and Anthony Barr down the stretch. Um, but he's he's not going to be that flashy impact guy. He's just kind of that sh- uh, that sure tackling veteran, a lot like Terrence Newman, where you're not, you're not going to expect a ton from him athletically, but he's going to be technique sound and do what you need him to do. Uh, and I'm not grading on, obviously, the intangibles. I'm sure he helped that room immensely in terms of just being that veteran leader. Hey, this is Andrew Kramer with the Purple Podcast. I just want to thank you guys for checking us out every week. And if you like the podcast, please go check us out on iTunes. Leave a review. Four or five stars would be appreciated, but if you don't like Derek Wetmore's hot football takes or you think Judd Zolgad's a little too negative, you can go ahead and give us a one-star rating if you feel so inclined. But those reviews are going to help us spread the word of the Purple Podcast, the best Minnesota Vikings analysis in town. Now, back to the podcast. Eric Kendricks. Yeah, three and a half. Gave him just a tick above that average part uh, because I believe Eric showed a lot of promise. He obviously got rookie of the year, or excuse me, rookie of the month in October uh, for having four sacks in his first ever three career starts for Gerald Hodges when he took over at middle linebacker. Uh, Kendrick showed the he flashed that speed in, in coverage, deflecting one of those passes. I believe yeah. it was a third down pass that led to a Seattle punt in the playoff game. Uh, he just he shows that kind of instinct and in, in, in knack for the football that you that they like so much coming out of college. Now it's kind of getting him under control. He plays a lot like his hair's on fire, and you got to kind of just settle him down. And there's a lot of it there. So there's a lot that, of it. If yes. that caught on fire, you'd be in trouble. <laughs> uh, I think Mike Zimmer's quote on Kendricks was, he's a guy that you have to tell him, 
whoa, not go. Yes. Yep. That's exactly that's exactly it. Like, Where he will, he'll shoot a gap and it'll be like, whoa, that was not your gap. Like yeah. you, you know, you're reading a play. You got to try and break it down first before you react. How about Anthony Barr? Uh, four and a half. I gave I gave three guys, I believe, four and a half grades, and they were Linval Joseph, Anthony Barr. Um, Harrison Smith. Oh, no, no, four. Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, Harrison Smith, and Anthony Barr. Those okay. four. Those four played above and beyond, I think, what was expected, above and beyond, even above average. Those were the four guys that got all-pro votes. Uh, none of them made the all-pro team, but they got votes, uh, meaning that they were at least looked upon by national uh, reporters as some of the best in the league, and rightfully so. And Anthony Barr was a guy who dealt with a lot of injuries this year, and maybe that's kind of concerning now. Can he stay healthy? Because he's dealt with knee problems. He did his rookie year. Now he dealt with a broken hand, had the groin pull, uh, continued to have some problems with his knee. Uh, and so he's got to have to stay healthy. But when he's healthy, man, he is a load to deal with. He yeah. improved in coverage, I thought, especially with his alignments. That's what coaches kind of credit uh, his improvement in coverage to is just kind of being in the right spot before the snap. Yeah, instead of having to play catch up a exactly. little bit, just be there yeah. before. Exactly. And and still, though, I think he was limited in his numbers. You go back and look at it and go, well, he had three and a half sacks and he didn't lead the team in tackles. And why are you giving them that kind of number? Well, it's because of what he was able to do and what he was asked. When he broke his hand, they basically stopped blitzing him for six weeks Mm -hmm. and then finally at that season finale in Lambeau and then going into the playoff against Seattle then they started sending him again then you started seeing the impact plays that you're used to seeing destroying quarterbacks he's a mismatch for tight ends running backs anybody in pass protection Um, he's just so uniquely gifted and the play that stands out was when he chased down Tevin Coleman on a 45-yard run in, in Atlanta and just used like what what you thought he was carrying like a sledgehammer the way he batted that ball out <laughs> from behind. That kind of thing where you don't see a linebacker that big chase down a play that far uh, and make that make that kind of play. That that was just impressive. You ever tried running with a sledgehammer? I haven't, but I believe Anthony Barr could. D- dangerous. Just what you have? No, just be careful is oh, all okay. I'm saying. <laughs> uh, he if I'm not mistaken, he basically ended that game too in Atlanta by Blitzing off the right edge and taking down Matty Ice, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, he had a, he had he led the team with three forced fumbles, two of them coming in that game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Not bad. Um, not at all. No. Let's finish up with the line then, too. I mean, uh, start on the right side because you already mentioned Everson Griffin. Uh, you gave him the four and a half. Why? I did. Uh, I think Everson had one of his best seasons. Obviously, he now has twenty two and a half sacks in two full seasons as a starter. Uh, he gives them everything they want, and he's bought into uh, the the scheme, too, in terms of being a run-first defender, and he was one of their most impactful guys against the run. Uh, he just destroyed Eddie Lacy in that season finale for a five-yard loss. Uh, he's the same kind of unique athleticism where it's just you don't often get that size mixed with that speed, and you didn't see him make many plays against the run because opponents ran away from him on purpose. Sure. They'd much rather run toward the side of Brian Robinson and Chad Greenway than they would Anthony Barr and Everson Griffin. Mm-hmm. So uh, I gave Everson that grade because that's absolutely, I thought, what he deserved. Uh, he only got 10.5 sacks, but he played through a shoulder injury in the second half of the season that will require surgery. Okay, yeah. Uh, just moving right along then, Sharif Lloyd. I only gave him a three. Uh, okay. I was kind of soured on him because I think he wasn't healthy enough. They kind of kept him on on a on a snap count because of his health. He needs to stay healthy. He's got the tools, though. You look at what he does. He's so fast off the snap. He made a third and one stop in that Seattle game that really stood out where he just basically beat everybody off the line. Like, he knows the snap count. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he doesn't. But it's like he just knows that rhythm, and he's so quick to get off the ball that he can jump over offensive linemen and make plays in the backfield. You want to see that continuing going forward, but he needs to stay healthy. He had off 
or he had midseason, excuse me, surgery to uh, remove cartilage from his knee. He dealt with an ankle injury that kept him in a walking boot. He missed four starts again. So now he's missed eight starts in the last two years because of injuries. He's just got to stay healthy and stay on the field to, to give for me to even give him a higher grade than average. Linval Joseph. Yeah, four and a half uh, because of everything we saw. Same thing, though. He's got to stay healthy. But what we saw was one of the best nose tackles in football. Uh, and you saw why the game, the five-year deal, just so impactful against the run and pass. A relentless guy really took up, in my opinion, he was why Eric Kendricks looked so good in October. Because of the way he was playing, he was consistently taking up double teams, and that just opened up lanes for guys like Eric Kendricks. Uh, yeah. And that was something that... In this defense, you really have to have. That's why Mike Zimmer, when he came in and took this job, was, I, I need a run-stuffing nose tackle. That's why they got him. And when he's playing the way he's playing, this defense uh, looks great. I thought it was funny when Griffin mentioned Joseph at the midpoint of the year, kind of pubbing him for the Pro Bowl. And he, he said something like that he's a great run-stuffing nose stopper. Run-stuffer, run nose-stuffer, something yeah, like that? It's yeah, like, it sounds like <laughs> cold medicine or something like that. Um, You'd probably stop a cold. <laughs> <laughs> How about just wrap it up on the defensive line with Brian Robinson's here? Yeah, I gave him a four, and I'm maybe higher on him than most people, but I thought he he played really out of position. Um, he hadn't played linebacker since he was, uh, I think it was a sophomore at Texas. Okay. And now all of a sudden they're standing him up on these third down packages and having him rush the passer, doing all these different things that really he felt weren't in his wheelhouse. But they told him, no, you're going to do it, and he bought into it. And I gave him credit for it because even though his numbers, five sacks, weren't that great, uh, he was actually third. Uh, this is according to Pro Football Focus. He was third among all four three defensive ends rushing off right tackle in terms of uh, QB pressures. Hmm. So he was getting there again, but he just wasn't getting the play. Like He only had five sacks, sure. and that's, yeah. that's a far cry from, I believe, the career-high nine that he had put up before Mike Zimmer came to Minnesota. So he's not getting the numbers, but he's doing the things for his teammates. He's setting the picks on the stunts they always use. He's one of the guys they trust to call out when to use the stunts. He's really one of the brains of the operational on that defensive line. Who's the most important person that I didn't mention? Would it be Tom Johnson? Tom Johnson? Yeah, I gave him a four as well because he played above and beyond what was expected of him, played a career-high 700 snap, uh, was one of the best. I think he actually finished fifth among all defensive tackles in uh, quarterback hurries. He's up there with guys like wow. Aaron Donald, Nadamakan Sue. The way he was playing was just phenomenal against the pass. Sure. Where he gave up a lot was against the run. Uh, he was not. He would get pushed out by doubles or even singles. He he wasn't really a force there against the run, but. Man, they really only wanted him to be a bit player against the pass, and if he can continue to do that moving forward, he's going to be a big part of this defense. Good stuff, Andrew. All right, guys. Thanks for checking us out on another episode of the Purple Podcast. We're going to do this once a week, I think, in the offseason, unless we decide not to. 95% of Uber Eats orders are on time, which is great, because when I want my spicy shrimp pad thai, I want it on time. Because, baby, there's no time like the present, especially when it's pad thai-related. But on the off chance your order is late, Uber Eats will give you three months, $0 delivery fee with a free Uber One membership. On time, pad tie, baby. On time claim based on latest arrival time shown after order is placed. Offer ends to 19 Current Uber One members not eligible. Subscription will auto-renew at nine ninety nine each month, starting three months from initial enrollment. See Uber.com slash Uber One for terms. Benefits available only for eligible stores. Order minimums apply.